The Mountain West and the Pac-2 are considering a relegation system in the future. Could this happen in basketball and could it involve Gonzaga? Let's discuss. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. Today's episode of Locked On Zags is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 back in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. Folks, we got some recruiting to discuss a new player the Zags have offered in the class of 2024. We also got some scheduling and ticket sales updates to talk about for Gonzaga's upcoming game against USC on December 2nd. We finally have some information about when those tickets are going to go on sale. We'll close out the show talking about that. But first, an article from Ross Dellinger at Yahoo Sports proposed this idea and I should I say proposed. It also sounds like it's something the Mountain West is kicking around. Of course, former WCC Commissioner Gloria Navarez over at the Mountain West, they're kicking around the idea with the PAC-2, which is, of course, Oregon State and Washington State. Of They've been kicking around the idea of a merger or a reverse merger for quite a while. But one of the things they are discussing in addition to that is the potential to create what has not ever been done in college athletics and is pretty much never done in American sports is the idea of a promotion relegation system. Those of you who are English Premier League soccer fans, those of you who are Ted Lasso fans are probably more familiar with the concept of promotion or relegation. A simple explanation, the teams at the bottom of the league get kicked to a lower level. The teams at the top of that lower level league get kicked up to the higher level league. It is basically that simple. Now, There are tons of reasons why it has not been done in American sports or certainly in college athletics. Of course, there are teams are not readily going to choose to do this necessarily. An actual Power Five conference that is already made up of Power Five teams is not going to do anything to risk potentially losing that Power Five status to potentially play down at a lower level. It would cost you money. It would cost you viewership, TV media deals, all of that stuff. American sports are, are more aligned with financial gain than perhaps in the English Premier League. Well, there's a lot of money over there, but it's more kind of grandfathered in as a system over there. It would be really, really hard to implement in college athletics. But the Mountain West and Pac-2 are in a unique situation. Oregon State and Washington State, certainly from a football perspective, would be unlikely to ever lose enough games to fall out of what would be the Pac-8 in this situation. So for them, it's a way to keep that kind of power five status. Now, whether, you know, the NCAA at large, certainly whether the fan bases around the country would consider this Pac-8 schools made up of two Pac former Pac-12 members and six Mountain West members, whether people would consider that a power five conference, of course, is a conversation for another day. But if they were able to get media rights deals for those games, if they were able to secure you know, more funding in that situation, keep the Pac brand, call it Pac-8 in that situation, you could see how it would work. 
it could be appealing to those two schools and it could be certainly appealing to the Mountain West where all of their members would be enticed by the fact that, hey, if we win enough games year by year, we can consistently make ourselves a Power 5 program or a Pac-8 program. How it would work based on Dellinger's article is that the league would be split into two leagues. You'd have the Pac-8, you'd have the Mountain West. You would have to have eight per league because that is the minimum number of teams you can have to consider yourself a college basketball, college sports conference, excuse me. Right now, the combination between the Mountain West and the Pac-2 would be 14. So you would need to add two schools. That's 14, including Hawaii, who is a football-only member in the Mountain West. The article suggests adding North Dakota State and South Dakota State as football members. I presume those schools are only being suggested as football-only members, because the rest of their sports wouldn't really hold up to the standards necessary to be Pac-8 or even Mountain West schools. So if they were to add North Dakota State and South Dakota State as football-only members, bring the total to 16, they could compete in a football conference in a promotion relegation type system were they to put this in. But this isn't a football podcast. This is a basketball podcast. So what would happen if they wanted to do it in basketball too? Because they're not inviting North Dakota State and South Dakota State for men's basketball. But you know who they might invite? It's a Zags podcast, so I'm guessing you probably do. (laughs) It's possible if this were to come together. And again, I'm not saying this is super likely. But if it were to come together, there's a possibility that Gonzaga and maybe St. Mary's, maybe Santa Clara, maybe Grand Canyon, maybe Memphis, although they would probably want to get involved with football too, could get invited. You'd need to add three basketball programs because Hawaii is, again, only a football member. So let's discuss. What does it look like if the Pac-2 in the Mountain West decide they want to do a relegation system in, it would be men's and women's basketball. We'll focus on men's basketball here. And they needed to add three schools. Let's say they add Gonzaga, St. Mary's, and Santa Clara. There are obvious ramifications that we would have to discuss in a much longer episode if we wanted to. The WCC would effectively be gashed significantly from a basketball perspective. Were that to happen, would there be some kind of merger that would happen there? Would they pull from the whack, etc.? That's a conversation maybe if this becomes more of a reality. But in this hypothetical, Gonzaga in a situation where they would play a conference schedule based on this relegation system would be really interesting. Presumably the way it would work is Gonzaga would play two games against the top seven teams outside of themselves, and they would play one regular season game against the bottom eight teams. That total adds up to 23 games. Is Gonzaga going to want to play 20 or excuse me, 22 games? Is Gonzaga going to want to play a 22 game conference slate? Certainly that removes their ability to add more non-conference games. If they play 22 games and they also play in a three game MTE, like they tend to do with Maui or, or the PK Invitational or whatever, that would limit their ability to play more non-conference games. I know a lot of people are thinking, I don't want to do that. I wouldn't want to give up those, all those precious non-conference games to, to be able to schedule teams like Kentucky and Baylor and whatever. But man, the conference schedule would just be a lot better. And this is coming from somebody who loves the WCC. If you can bring St. Mary's and Santa Clara in this hypothetical with you into this pack two, pack 12, pack eight mountain West kind of combination This is what it would look like last year. Let's just go through it that way. That's the easiest way. Based solely on Ken Palm's ranking last year, which I don't think they would use Ken Palm. There's a lot of conversation about how they would do it if they were to do it in basketball. Probably wouldn't be directly Ken Palm. It would be record-based, et cetera, et cetera. For sake of argument in this conversation, if Gonzaga were in this conference and they were playing 
two regular season games against the top seven teams outside of themselves and one regular season game against the other eight teams, here's what that would look like. They would play St. Mary's twice, who finished 13th in Ken Palm. They would play San Diego State twice, who finished 14th. Utah State, who finished 28th. Boise State, who finished 37th. Nevada, who finished 62nd. New Mexico, who finished 66th. And Wazoo, who finished 67th. That means Gonzaga would have 14 regular season games against top 70 Ken Palm teams. Last year, they had two. As you probably guessed, they were both against St. Mary's. But beyond that, the eight additional regular season conference games that you would get would be Santa Clara, who was 85th, UNLV 95th, San Jose State 97th, Colorado State 110th, Fresno State 143rd, Air Force 147th, Wyoming 162nd, and then Oregon State at 214th. For reference, Portland, which was basically the mid-level team that Gonzaga played in the regular season last year, was 159th putting them just above Wyoming, who was second to last behind that really problematic program in Corvallis at Oregon State. If this were Gonzaga's regular season, and of course it changes year by year, but generally we'd be looking at a Gonzaga team playing 12 to 14 tournament caliber teams in the regular season. They would also have eight additional games against teams that are not great. Admittedly, it's not the Big 12. It's not the SEC. It's not the Big East, whatever, but it is still better than what they're currently in the WCC. Again, this it helps that you're adding two other of the premier WCC teams into this conference. If you replace San Ho or excuse me Santa Clara with Grand Canyon, for example, it does drop a bit, although Grand Canyon is still a quality program as well. It's an interesting thought. I think relegation in the United States in college athletics is probably something that is going to happen at some point. The situation between the Pac-2 and the Mountain West right now is one of the ideal situations where it could happen. There aren't a lot of schools that are in a position to outright refuse to do this. Oregon State and Washington State may not love it and they may put the kibosh on it, but it is an appealing way for them to potentially stay in that Power 5, Pac-8 type conversation. Of course, from a men's basketball perspective, they may lose it periodically, at least Oregon State last year certainly would have, but it is an interesting concept. I would love for Gonzaga to get involved in this merger for a variety of reasons. I've talked about it multiple times on this show, the regional rivalries with teams like Boise State and Washington State and San Diego State, for that matter, would be fantastic. Even teams like Utah State and Nevada are, are upgrades over most of the teams in the WCC on a year-to-year -year basis. But especially in a relegation type system where Gonzaga, at least, you know, they'll consistently be in that Pac-8 group. Again, are people going to take the Pac-8 super seriously? Probably not, but they're not taking the WCC seriously anyway. So why not get into a conference that's going to probably have a little bit more money, perhaps have a little bit more brand recognition, perhaps have a better media rights deal? Again, all that stuff would need to be worked out before Gonzaga would choose to do this. They're not going to jump into this hoping it's going to make more money than the WCC. It's going to need to demonstrate that it can. And again, we are multiple, multiple steps away from something like this actually being put together. But it's late September. There's a fun article about it out there at Yahoo Sports, and I decided let's talk about it. Let's look at what that might look like here on Locked on Zags. Love to hear your thoughts. Drop them in the comments. Drop them on YouTube, whatever it may be. I think it's a fun, interesting idea for college athletics in general, and I think it'd be fun to see Gonzaga get involved to kind of help boost the perspective of this uh, in its initial goings were it to get started from that kind of 
if Gonzaga could get involved, I think it would help even bring more attention to it in the early going. We're going to move on here, talk about a offer Gonzaga made to a 2024 combo guard named Trent Perry. No relation to Caden Perry, but what does this mean for Mark Few? What does this mean for Zoom Diallo, who Gonzaga is also pursuing in the class of 2024? More on all of that coming up after a word from today's sponsor, FanDuel. Football season is here, folks, and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all year long. Because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets back every single time that team wins in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl, and you'll get bonus bets for every victory. You can use your bonus bets on spreads, on player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn today and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Folks, I want to thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen or your first watch of the day. Shout out to those everyday listeners checking the show out on YouTube as well. We crossed that 2,000 subscriber mark, but folks, let's get to 2,500 before the start of the college basketball season. Heck, if we want to be real ambitious, let's get there before craziness. Got a couple weeks till craziness and the kennel kicks off. Let's get there. So go, go ahead and hit that subscribe button on YouTube if you have not done so yet. It is very much appreciated. We're moving on to talk recruiting here on Locked on Zags. We talked last week, or earlier this week, I should say, about Asa Newell, who has listed Gonzaga in his top four alongside Texas and Alabama and Georgia. We talked a little bit about Zoom Diallo in that conversation as well. A player Gonzaga is pursuing in the class of 2024 out of Tacoma, Washington. And at the time, we kind of said, hey, there doesn't look like there's anybody else that Gonzaga is known to be pursuing in the 2024 class. Well, that's not true, because Gonzaga recently made an offer to Trent Perry. Trent Perry is a six foot four combo guard from Studio City, California. He goes to Harvard Westlake High School in that California area. Right now at 24 7 Sports, he is the 83rd ranked prospect in the class. Again, he is a four star recruit, but 24 7 Sports is lower on Trent Perry than most of the rest of the industry. On threes, rankings have him 36th, much, much higher than 83rd. ESPN has him 42nd and Rivals has him 59th. Composite rankings have him in the mid-50s. I think On3 has him 53rd, and 24-7 has him 55th. Most of those composite rankings are going to be very similar. So basically, he's a, a top 50-ish prospect, according to an amalgamation of all of those different recruiting sites. Right now, Trent Perry has received a handful of offers. He has taken official visits to both TCU and Colorado, other offers include USC, Oregon, Vanderbilt, St. Mary's, Notre Dame, and Oklahoma. There are more. Those are just kind of the key ones that stood out to me. 24-7 Sports doesn't have any crystal balls. They don't have any predictions out right now. On three kind of has predictions based on a percent system. Colorado is their leader right now, which makes sense. It's the school he most recently visited uh, on an official visit. They're at about 33%. Uh, USC, Oregon, TCU, kind of all in the 8 to 9, 10-ish percent range. Uh, but again, this is brand new information at the time. These sites hadn't even reported that Gonzaga has made an offer to Trent Perry. So these things could change quite significantly. In fact, they will almost certainly change. Uh, so it's not something to take super seriously, but it is notable that Gonzaga is in the market here for Perry. 
scouting reports on Perry indicate he's a very solid shooter. Uh, he can run the point guard position at six foot four. So you kind of love to see a guy who can come in and play off the ball, could also play on the ball. Gonzaga has certainly kind of joined the revolution of trying to find those bigger guards we've seen in the past when they've had the smaller guards. Uh, it can be a challenge when you get into some of those more physical opponents. So uh, Ryan Nembhard's a, a little bit bigger, 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, Nolan Hickman's a little bit bigger as well. But Perry's bigger than both those guys at 6'4", would kind of give opposing teams a bit more of a matchup issue uh, again a solid shooter he's known to be solid in the uh, point guard position so i think he's kind of fits the bill for what mark few and the zags are kind of looking for in their modern college basketball guards but like i said this doesn't indicate anything positive or negative about asa newell or zoom diallo in my opinion Asa Newell, of course, plays an entirely different position, so there's not really anything to take from it there. I know some people felt that the addition of Pavel Stosic, who, who joined the team just a few days ago as we recorded uh, late or early this week after finding out, I think, on the 23rd that he was coming to campus, some people felt that the Zags going international to add a player like Stosic has, is in response to feeling like they're not going to land Newell. I suppose it's possible to me it doesn't if they were concerned about not having Newell in 2024, I think they would have more likely turned their attention to adding a, a prospect in the class of 2024, not necessarily a freshman to come on campus right now. Uh, of course, Stosich may not play right away. He might redshirt this year, probably is more of a, a long term solution for Gonzaga at the in the front court position. But I don't know that it's necessarily tied to anything with Asa Newell. Similarly, I don't think Gonzaga making an offer to Trent Perry is any kind of indication that they are not going to get Zoom Diallo. Again, it could be. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it's not, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it certainly is. And I know that some people tend to kind of try to read between the tea leaves on, on things like this and think, well, they must be doing this because of this. I think they're offering Trent Perry because they like Trent Perry. I don't think there's a lot more to it than that. What I will say is Gonzaga doesn't have a ton of room to maneuver in the class of 2024. So any offers they are making, they're going to be specific. They're going to be picky about making offers in the class of 2024 because they don't have a lot of roster flexibility. We know Anton Watson's out the door. That is it. Ryan Nemhard could return. Nolan Hickman could return. Dusty Stromer and Luka Krajnovic probably going to return. There's not room to navigate much in the class of 2024. Gonzaga wants to have a couple of spots potentially open for transfer portal additions. Right now, the only guaranteed roster spot open, again, is Watson's. There will be more. Players will transfer out. Players will declare early for the NBA draft. Things like that happen and they will continue to happen. But right now, Gonzaga isn't in the, uh, doesn't have the ability to throw a bunch of offers out there to future recruits because they need to make sure they have the actual roster spot and scholarship spots available. So making an offer to somebody like Trent Perry, to me, the main thing that it signals is they really like Trent Perry. They would love to have him on campus. Could it be an indication that they don't think they're going to get Zoom? Yeah, maybe. I haven't heard anything indicating that necessarily. I wouldn't take this as, as directly meaning that. It could, though. It could. But mostly I think it's just about, hey, this is a kid we'd love to have on campus. And if he commits, if he agrees, we will figure the rest of the pieces out later. If he agrees and all of our guards come back, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out at that point. Maybe he then decommits. Maybe they do find a spot for him and he just is, is a red shirt. Maybe they, you know, move some guys around positionally. Stromer plays more of the three. Who knows? There are options that they could explore in that situation. But they're not making offers to players they don't think they can actually keep. So if they're offering Trent Perry, the only conclusion I would take out of that is that they want Trent Perry to Gonzaga uniform. Hopefully he feels the same and he ends up committing to Gonzaga. 
But we're going to close out the show today to talking Zags Trojans. The Gonzaga versus USC game is finally confirmed. They will play in Las Vegas at the MGM Grand on December 2nd. Ticket information and more coming up right after this. All right, folks, closing out the show here, Locked on Zach's podcast, talking Gonzaga versus USC. The Trojans and the Zags will headline the Legends of Basketball Las Vegas Invitational. This game has been known for a while that the Zags and USC are going to play. It's been known that the game is going to be played in Las Vegas. It's been known that the game is going to be played on December 2nd. All of those were facts that we have had for a while. For those of you who are thinking, why are we talking about it right now? Because they finalized it, and they gave us a little bit more information about the game. The game we played at the MGM Grand, it had been rumored at the MGM Grand. There'd also been some rumors it might happen at Mandalay Bay. They hadn't quite finalized the actual venue. Now we know MGM Grand holds about 17,000 people. Somebody can correct me if I'm wrong. I do not recall the Zags having played there before. I don't think that they have. But if I'm wrong, somebody let me know. I'm sure that they will. I will correct it. But... This is part of this Legend of Basketball Las Vegas Invitational. It's a two-game series. The Zags will be the headlining act, the last act. They will start their game at about 7 p.m. Pacific time. Before that, the opener, as it were, will be a game between Washington and Colorado State. That game is slated to start at 4 p.m. So for folks looking for ticket information, looking to get out there, if you want to get there a few hours early and check out the Washington Huskies, who Gonzaga will be playing about almost, I think, exactly a week later in that season, definitely worth checking out those Huskies as well. Tickets go on sale on October 13th. That is the biggest thing for people to know who are interested. Mark your calendars. Get ready to go on the website. You can also go to their website now and register for a pre-sale you'll get you know, promotional information, various other things, probably get on an email list somewhere, but you will be eligible for pre-sale tickets on October 12th. So you want to get them on the 12th, sign up for those pre-sale tickets. You're ready to wait for the 13th. I would go get them on the 13th. I suspect the tickets directly from the venue are going to sell out fairly fast. After that, you'd have to buy them on secondary markets. Might be a little bit more expensive there. You can always check them out on game time. Use promo code Locked On College. That's free promo for them. Get $20 off. Definitely worth doing if you are looking to get to those, get to that game last minute. Looking ahead at the USC Gonzaga game, the Zags are two and one all time versus the Trojans. The most notable, memorable game between these two schools was in 2021 in the Elite Eight when Gonzaga absolutely took it to Evan Mobley and the Trojans. Drew Timmy, in particular, put Mobley in a splendor all night long, scored 25 on a guy who's probably going to be an NBA Defensive Player of the Year at some point in his career. A remarkable performance in a season full of remarkable performances from Drew Timmy and Jalen Suggs and everybody else on that fantastically fun 2020-21 team. That's the most recent game. That's their most notable game. But this is going to be a really fun one, folks. USC is currently ranked 21st in the country at the AP preseason poll. I suspect they're going to be in that top 20-ish range by the time this game rolls around. Gonzaga, meanwhile, is in that top 15-ish range. This is going to be a matchup between two top 25 teams, barring uh, early season disasters from either of these teams. And USC is going to bring it. Boogie Ellis returns. There's a real chance Boogie Ellis is the player of the year in the Pac-12 next year. Umar Bala will compete for it at Arizona. There's, of course, a handful of other very talented players at USC, at Arizona, at Oregon, at Colorado, for that matter as well. But 
Boogie Ellis averaged about 17 and a half points per game last year. He's back. He's going to have the keys to the kingdom. He's going to do all sorts of things. He's a big guard, not a super effective shooter, but a volume shooter. Going to be a tough matchup for the Zags. They also have Isaiah Collier, the number one prospect in the class of 2023. Best freshman in the country. You got Collier going to run the point. You got Boogie Ellis playing off the ball. You got DJ Rodman transferring over from Washington State, going to fill kind of a power forward position for them. This is a good team. They got good depth. They got good high-level star power talent. Andy Enfield is a solid coach. Now, they probably aren't going to have Bronny James, and that's a big part of the storyline. Of course, they they landed Bronny James in recruitment. Bronny had a uh, cardiac arrest event earlier this summer. It does sound like he is doing okay and that he is you know, not in serious danger of potentially not being able to play again. That was the big concern for him. It does sound like this is something where they are going to feel comfortable allowing him to resume basketball activities. But will he be on the floor by December 2nd? My guess is no. Not confirmed. I want to be clear on that. That is just more of a guess, a theory at this point. If he were back, I doubt he would be playing full speed. I doubt he'd be playing full minutes. There's a chance that we get to see Bronny. Certainly he'll be there at the game, most likely, but it would be it's kind of unfortunate that we may not, may not get to see Bronny play. Obviously more unfortunate for Bronny and USC and just feeling for him and his family. This is a, a very scary thing that happened to him, and I am glad to hear that he is going to be okay. But it would have been fun for Gonzaga to get a chance to play against Bronny. The Dusty Stromer-Bronny James rivalry would have continued. Those guys played each other a whole bunch of times in high school, and I think that would have been kind of a fun element to this game that we're probably not going to get. But what we are going to get is a very quality non-conference neutral site game for Gonzaga in Las Vegas against a premier program in the country in USC. What we haven't got and are still waiting on, folks, is the rest of Gonzaga's non-conference schedule. It's not done or it hasn't been released for whatever reason. One of the last teams in the country. It's October. Dang it, Mark Few, what are we doing? What are we waiting on? Why don't we have this non-conference schedule yet? Hard to say. Hopefully it means they're working on something fun, brewing up something nice. Gonzaga's first game on the calendar right now is November 10th. The season starts November 6th. I think there's a chance we don't even know their first opponent yet. Outside of, of course, the exhibition game against Lewis Clark State. Keep your eyes peeled. We'll, of course, cover the schedule as soon as we know what it is. We already got UConn, USC, San Diego State, and Kentucky. We also know they'll play Purdue in the Maui Invitational, as well as either Tennessee or Syracuse. We know Washington and Yale are on the calendar as well. But when we know more, when we find out what those final few games are, who they're going to play to open up the season if it's not Yale, who they might play in later December when they don't, when they kind of have a, a big stretch of games currently or a big stretch of days not filled. We'll keep you posted here on Locked on Zags because I'm excited to give you that full schedule, that full conference, full non-conference slate as we look closer and closer towards the 23-24 college basketball season. That's going to do us for today here on the Locked on Zags podcast. Once again, thank you so much for making the show your first listen or watch of the day. And shout out to those everyday listeners and also shout out to those of you on Discord. We've been talking all day about recruits. We've been talking about this Damian Lillard trade and what it means for Drew Timmy. We've got all sorts of fun conversations day to day, minute by minute on the Discord channel. The, the uh, link is in the show notes. If you're on a, a podcast platform, it's also in the notes on YouTube as well. Go hit that button, join the Discord channel. It is completely free to join and we're having conversations all the time about the Zags. Thank you so much for listening. I have one more show coming your way later this week on Friday. And of course, as always, go Zags.